Well, amen. It's so good to be with you guys again this morning. It's been a while since I've been here, so it's such a joy to be with our other Risen Church family and to be able to serve with Zach and, and Michael and, and everyone else here. So it's such a joy to see uh, so many of you. And I want to go ahead and ask you to go ahead and take your Bibles, as Zach said, and turn to Psalm 121. And as you think about your life, where you've been in the last year, what you've gone through, not even in the last year, but really your entire life, what you, even what, maybe what you haven't gone through, and what's going on in your life today, and where, where you know things are headed in your life over this next year. There is something in Psalm 121 that I believe that if we were really to, to pray this psalm and to really integrate this psalm into our life, and to really say, this is a chapter in the Bible that I am not going to ignore for the rest of my life. That it would be a chapter in the Bible, or at least a phrase in the Bible, that you will find yourself magnetically drawn to in almost any and every situation you will encounter for the rest of your life. I believe that deep spiritual renewal, supernatural change can happen from this psalm, if you believe it by faith. And if you will live it by faith as well. We're going to find the shape, really, of spiritual renewal in Psalm 121 this morning. And one thing we do, I'll bring a little bit of Risen Northwest here this morning. Let's stand together in honor of reading of the Word of God. And we're going to read beginning in verse 1. A song of ascents. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. I'm old enough to remember back when you would make a mixtape. Anybody make a mixtape? Yeah, you you do that. Kids today, they don't make mixtapes. They have so much better technology. They have Spotify playlists and Apple Music playlists. But back in our day, uh, or at least back in my day, I sound so old now, I'm only 36, but you would take a cassette and then as the, you know, you knew the radio, you knew KRBE was about to play your favorite song. Or if you were walking in the spirit, you knew KSBJ was about to play your favorite song, Christian radio here in Houston, and you would push record, and you would grab that song, and then you'd wait till your other favorite song, or you had two cassette players in the same, and you could copy songs, that was probably way illegal, but you would make a mixtape, and now today we have playlists. We have, at our house, we have a party playlist when people are coming over or whatever. It's got, we're grilling or we're, you know, just having a good time. We've got Johnny Cash on there, uh, Elvis, the Beatles, Adele, uh, little Beyonce. It's a, it's a nice, it's a nice list. Uh, my son has his own list when we're going to school, not taking him to school. The song, as soon as he gets in the truck, I'm like, what do you want to hear? He goes, you know. 
and it's the, it's the Pokemon theme song. That's what we listen to that four-minute drive to school. I want to be the very best. It's a great song. Um, and then we have our own playlist for soccer. When we're taking our kids to their soccer games to get them pumped up, to get them amped up, ready to go. And we have a Spotify playlist called Worship 21. That's our favorite worship songs for 2021, things we're just constantly wanting to hear in the car, we're wanting to hear on the way to church, to, to hear as we're just getting ready. Because we have, this is just human life. We have music for the occasion. At every wedding, there's, everyone plays the same song when the bride walks down the aisle. We have certain songs for sporting events. We have certain songs for sad times in life. Music was given by God to fit occasions in our life, for moments in our life. And guys, Psalm 121 is a moment, is a song for a moment. You see it right at the top. Look at the moment. A song of ascent. This is the occasion. This is the moment in their life. This section really of the Psalms, this whole group of them, is for the Psalms of Ascent. This is their playlist. When they would make the trip from wherever they lived up to Jerusalem for the feasts and for the holy days. You would make this journey if you were an Israelite multiple times a year. And it was a, for some of them, it was a multiple days journey. And you would head there for these giant moments in your life. And Psalm 121 is on that playlist. God wanted them to think it. He wanted them to sing it, to memorize it, to hum it. We don't have the sheet music, but they they would hum it however it would go. They would sing it together as they shuffled their sandals on the way to Jerusalem. And it was meant to begin to renew their hearts, to renew their souls as they were headed to Jerusalem to engage in a profound moment of worship with their living God. Because we all know how easy it is to go through motions, to show up to places, to do the same thing, and not have our hearts engaged, to not be renewed, to not be energized. And the Lord wants us to avoid that. And here's where it begins. Verse 1, here's how this song, here's how renewal, I think, really begins in the Christian life. Verse 1 is point number 1. Admitting our need for help. So simple. Admitting our need for help. As the follower of God, imagine you're an Israelite now and you live in northern Israel, multiple days' journey from Jerusalem, and you are making the journey south down into Jerusalem. You would have to admit something. The the pilgrim that's making this journey, she would have to realize something, and it's in verse 1. Look, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Here it is. From where does my help come from? They're they're admitting at the beginning of this journey, I need help. How am I going to get through this? Here's why. This journey, it was not like your journey to church this morning. 15, 25 minutes, smooth roads, AC, Bluetooth, tumbler of coffee. This is similar. I play Oregon Trail. You've died of dysentery. You're in this moment. A lot of robbers, kidnappers, murderers, man-stealers all converged on these different paths of heading into Jerusalem. That they knew, man, as you're making this journey, you just knew danger is now everywhere. 
And that's why the psalmist begins, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where is my help going to come from? Now, I think there's three ways to think about the hills, looking to the hills, looking to the mountains. First one, I'm looking at the mountains, I'm looking at the hills, and I'm wondering, is something around the corner that's going to bombard us? Is there something on the other side that's going to ruin my life? Second, this this is another way of thinking of it, I'm looking to the mountains, I'm looking to the hills, and I'm looking to these big hills for safety. There's cities up there, maybe a fortress. Can I get some help up on that hill? The third one really brings us all together. I'm looking at the hills, I'm looking at the mountains, I'm looking at, but I'm actually now looking past them. I'm looking toward heaven now. As my eyes, as you look at a mountain, what happens? You look at a mountain, you look up at the peak, you look at the hill, you look at the top, and it brings your gaze up. It brings the horizon, it lifts things up, and you begin to look upward. And now the psalmist is saying, oh, these hills, I can look past these hills and know where will my help come from? You see, the writer is noticing on this pilgrimage, on his journey, that he has a problem and I think in all of our journeys, we got to link to the first way to see it and looking for help, but knowing I know of a greater help, not just in the second way. Oh, I know there's some other things I can do, these other hills, other cities, other, but that third way, looking Godward. And notice, here's the point. And lifting his eyes I lift my eyes to the hills. He is saying, I am not going to sink in on myself and say, I know there's danger, but I'm going I'm to get through this. I know this year is going to be tough, but I believe in solus Christus. I believe in sola scriptura, and I believe in sola bootstrap. I'm just going to lift myself up by my bootstraps and get through this. I know my finances are tough. I know my children are going through something tough. I know this illness is tough. The psalmist says, I know this is going to be tough, and I'm not going to sink in on myself. I'm looking elsewhere. By merely asking, beloved, where will my help come from, is to crucify all self-reliance. And that is one of our greatest needs this morning is to crucify our self-reliance. This is where spiritual renewal begins. Away from self and looking Godward. Away from I've got it all together. Away from I'm great. Away from I know it. Away from I'm going to get myself and my family through this. You are your own spiritual saboteur if you continue to rely on self. Have you addressed your need for help? Is there something in your life that is so, I mean, it is just on the front of your mind And it just gives you anxiety. It makes you panic. You wake up thinking about it. You go to bed thinking about it. You drive thinking about it. It is just always there. And have you made the switch to going, 
I need help. See, this, this psalm isn't meant to be only relegated to these journeys that people would make wherever they lived to Jerusalem. These examples, this is the kind of thinking that we got to have in our entire pilgrimage of life. Our entire journey with God towards the new Jerusalem. We are aliens and strangers, as Peter tells us. We are pilgrims headed to the new heavens, to the new earth, to the new Jerusalem. And now we got to start singing Psalm 121. This is a song for your journey with the crucified and risen Christ. As you pick up your cross daily, following him every single day, Psalm 121 is filled with truths that you need. I love John Bunyan's famous story. I'm sure you've heard of it, Pilgrim's Progress. It it highlights this spiritual reality. The main character, Christian, is on a pilgrimage towards the heavenly city. And he encounters all kinds of difficulties, all kinds of temptations, all kinds of things along the way. That is you and me. If you haven't read Pilgrim's Progress, maybe you've been around children. There are times when I, I so admire the, the utter helplessness of my kids. I think I hear, from, I, I hear from them more than anything else is, I need help. I, I hear them say, I need help more than anything else. I need help reaching this. I need help opening this. I have opened so many bottles. <laughs> so many bags of chips. So many popsicles, so many cans of sparkling water. I need help. I need help. And I just started saying, hey, every, every ounce I help you, I'm taking a sip. <laughs> because I open it, that's a sip. If, I, if you want a straw, that's a sip. Help me beat this level of Mario. I mean, it is just like all the time. And as adults, I know I can look on the helplessness of my children and think, That's such a childish condition. Friends, it's a human condition. A a childlike faith continues this, Father, I need help. Big brother, Jesus, I I need help. Holy Spirit, I, I need help. If there are not times in your life when you say, where will my help come from? You might be one you are so out of touch with spiritual reality. But I know there are times in your life where you're thinking, ah, this is hard. And those are meant to be reflexes to go, I need help. So what I want you to think about and pray about, what are you going through right now or that you've gone through? Maybe you're on your way out of and you really need help. It could be chronic pain. Suffering. Maybe it's just a profound grief. A trial at work. A conflict with a colleague or a family member that you've been estranged from over the years. Maybe another Christian that you just know, like, man, we we are not on the same page. You have uncertainty in a major decision you need to make in your career or in a move. Or maybe it's you are experiencing a heightened season of temptation, of something that you do not, a sin you do not want to give into, that you used to give into, and, and you want to continue to walk in freedom. 
maybe it's, I really want to serve at church and I don't know where. I want to serve people in my small group. I, I, I want to have Christian friends and I don't really know how, how to get there in, anymore. Or I, I want to give more money to missions. I, I want to be involved in foreign missions. I, I want to evangelize people. I, I want to repent of sin publicly. I, I want to walk in confession and, and holiness. I want to read my Bible more. I, I just want to begin there. I want to learn to pray. We could spend all morning going, here are all the things I need help with. And friends, it is a wonderful thing to be freed from the delusion of having it all together. And maybe that's just where some of us need to begin this morning. And I I am, as, as Zach was leading us this morning, think about all the things we have a difficulty with. I have had an incredibly difficult year and an incredibly difficult summer, and especially the past two weeks, incredibly difficult of just anxieties and worries and fears and all kinds of different things. And the songs that would play in my mind were other things that Satan would want to say, this would be a great thing for you to listen to. This would be a great thing to have go around and cycle in your mind. But what we got to do and how we experience Deep, longing spiritual renewal is to say, I'm going to put Psalm 121 on repeat. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Where will my help come from? I lift my eyes up to the hills. I look, I look at these problems, and I'm going to look past these problems and say, where will my help come from? It's verses 2 through 8. Look at verse 2. Second point and last point. The Lord is our help. The Lord is our help. Look at verse two. My help, so where? Answer, my help comes from the Lord. God himself. I I don't want you to see the glorious, disproportionate outline of this passage. Verse one, our problem. Verses Two through eight, God. This is our need in verse one, and then verses two through eight are God, 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 God. Whatever we are facing, it does not minimize what we're facing. It is real, it is powerful, it is debilitating at times. But that the point that the psalmist is showing, there is an overwhelming amount of God's goodness and help and glory to serve us. And look at, all the, look at all the he's and God's. If you write in your Bible, which I just always encourage, I want you to underline them. Verse two, the Lord. Verse three, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel does not sleep or slumber. Verse five, the Lord. Verse five again, the Lord. Verse seven, the Lord. He. Verse eight, the Lord. However high our problems stack, they will not overwhelm God. And notice, he who does not sleep or slumber, who doesn't love sleep? (laughs) My goodness. You see how weak we are? We have to lay down unconscious for a third of our life. We have an incredible amount of weakness. It's just a part of who we are. 
And God's designed us this way so that we could find, oh, you're my renewal. Oh, you who never sleep nor slumber, you take care of me. My my friend Ray Ortland, he posts on Twitter often. It's a quote from Victor Hugo that says, God is awake, sleep in peace. That as we go to sleep at night, the world turns, not because of its axis and gravitational pull, but because God does not sleep or slumber. This is, verse two, my help comes from the Lord, the maker, the one who made heaven and earth. This is the sweet and precious promise that'll change your life. It's not, your help may arrive. My help comes from the, it's, it's on its way. It's here now. It's arriving. All of our spiritual renewal and all of our spiritual formation, it cannot happen apart from this reality. So grab this promise. And as you're stressed at work and you're just about to, like, you're just rubbing your hands in your face, where, where's my help going to come from? My help comes from the Lord. As you're just crying, thinking about your children, Lord, my help comes from you. And I want you to look at the resume of qualifications the psalmist gives here, gives us here for God. Is God really going to be able to help us in our situation? What do we learn about God? Verse 2, my help comes from the Lord. Well, what are his qualifications? Who made heaven and earth. Is that enough? I don't know. I don't really, is he at LPC? I mean, I would love, is he, what's his counseling background? What's his experience with handling these issues? who made heaven and earth, who made everything we see. I think he's qualified. And so, so envision the pilgrim walking through a valley. It's dark. There's a large hill on the left. Maybe he's wondering, fearful. I hope there's not a band of robbers on the other side. Maybe I should turn back. Maybe we shouldn't make this journey. My help comes from the Lord. He will help me get through whatever I face. The fight or not, he's with me. And maybe God's been moving in your heart to want to go to the nations, to to share the gospel with a coworker, to to plan a church, to serve in risen kids, to start a small group. I, I don't know what thing the Lord is just prompting you to walk faithfully with him. How am I going to do this? I'm busy. I'd have to sell stuff to go to the nations and my kids and their situation and my job and my help comes from the Lord. Maybe you're finally going to share the gospel with your friend. You you feel like, man, I I think I'm going to do it this week. We've been eating a lot together. We've been uh, having coffee and hanging out, but we have fun together, but man, I got to share the gospel with her. I got to tell him about the risen Christ. But I'm nervous. I might botch it. What if I tell him heresy? I don't even know. Like, what's going to happen? My help comes from the Lord. You want to confess a sin. You know, you need to confess a sin. You don't want to do this anymore. You want to walk in holiness and repentance. But you're scared. My help comes from the Lord. 
There's strain in your home, in your marriage, in your parenting. How are we going to get through this, this conversation? What are we going to do? My help comes from the Lord. You see, if you will believe this verse, your life will change. Your joy will change. Your confidence will change. Your maturity, your growth, all of it will change because you are crucifying fear. You are crucifying self, and you are going Godward. My help comes from the Lord. Now, hold on. This doesn't mean Christian friends don't help. Because I know this is always like, yeah, no, just me and God. I don't need church. I don't need Christian friends. That's, That's not what this is teaching. Christian friends and sermons and books and counselors and family, they are good sources of help. They are blessings from the Lord himself. And they are often the kinds of helps that God uses. There are all kinds of helps available to us in our daily life we should make use of. This verse does not teach, I have a headache, what should I do? My help comes from the Lord. Advil, put garlic over our medicine cabinet. No, that's not what this is teaching. What it is communicating to us is that God is telling us your journey towards the new Jerusalem, remember where your help ultimately comes from, the maker of heaven and earth. And I think think that, that is the most baffling part of this, this passage to me, from him, that God is not delegating out his care for you, that he's not saying, hey, uh, Matters is ringing. Uh, Gabriel, Archangel, you got this? Michael, the Archangel, you got it? No, it's God Himself. And as my family, and as my wife and I, and just through you know, different ministry changes and all, all kinds of different things, we went through some very difficult moments in the, in, over the last year or so. And Ray and Janie Ortland sat with us and showed us a verse that God used for them mightily in their life to get them through difficult changes in their life. And it's 1 Peter 5.10. It should be on the screen. Look at 1 Peter 5.10. This is unbelievable. And after you have suffered a little while, so after, God's not getting, you're not going around it, you're through it. That's all, something we think, oh, if I'm with God, then I won't go through suffering. No. As you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So after you have suffered a little while, The God of all grace, the maker of heaven and earth, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, look at this, will himself restore, renew, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. God himself. That's glorious that he will do it. He is not delegating it out. It is not beneath his pay grade to say, I will help the Christians at Risen Church. And I am invested into the struggles of your life. He will restore. He will renew. He will confirm. Because sometimes we go through something very tough. We go through a thing we need help with and we think, I must be a loser. I I must be a loser because I don't have it all together. But beloved Christians, we're the ones who admit, yeah, we're the people who don't have it all together. That's why I loved what Ted Turner said about Christians. Christianity's for losers. 
He meant it as a slam. I mean it as an amen. And he will confirm, he will restore, he will strengthen and establish. Will, will you take God up on this? And maybe you've, you can think, yeah, I, through this situation, this one, I, I can think of times where I'm like, God, I really need your help. And I really leaned into that. Do you take him up on this daily? This is daily. You know, titles are often meant to impress us. The bigger the title is, the more unavailable that person is. Like, you can't call Starbucks headquarters and say, yeah, um, I want to talk to Howard. How's Howie doing? Can I talk to Howard? Howard Schultz, it's not happening. You can't call Tesla and say, hey, I'd like to talk to Mr. Musk. You can't call the United States government, White House, Pentagon, or whatever, and say, I'd like to talk to the president. See, the Lord's title, maker of heaven and earth, founder of every living thing, creator of oxygen, creator of you, it's not meant to make us go, sheesh, I, I better not bug him. Rather, it's just the opposite. It's meant to draw you in. Oh, he will help me. So go to him. Here's how. You pray this passage. Simple prayer. I I think this three-word prayer can change your life. Lord, help me. You pray that every day for real? It's not some incantation. You, You pray it for real. By faith, Lord, help me. And it will change your life. See, sometimes we think prayer has to be long and drawn out, which Jesus actually says, that's not always great. And I am blown away that when the disciples come to Jesus and ask him, Lord, teach us to pray, he gives them the Lord's prayer. And in the Gospel of Luke, if you read that prayer out loud, I timed myself. It takes 13 seconds. Jesus gives them. They ask, Lord, you teach us to pray. He goes, great. 13 seconds. Let's start there. I believe you'll get to minutes and you'll get to 10, 15, you'll 30 minutes in prayer. That will happen as you grow with Christ. But sometimes 13 seconds is the nuclear prayer we need. It's like in Men in Black. Do you remember Men in Black? He's got all, Will Smith's shown all these weapons. And Tommy Lee Jones gets this giant weapon and he gives Will Smith the noisy cricket, this little tiny like water gun looking thing. And Will Smith's character is like, this is terrible. I don't want this gun. He shoots it and it throws him down the street. So powerful. Lord, help me is a noisy cricket prayer. Lord, help me. I want to forgive struggling to forgive, Lord. Lord, help me. I'm tempted to do this sin again. I don't want to. Jesus, help me. Help me now. I'm asking you, Lord. I don't know what to do. Father, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. And say this out loud. You see, like they would sing this as they're walking. They would pray this together, sing it loud with music, all that. So I want to encourage you to say it out loud so you can hear it. I am calling on the Lord. 
And so the demonic powers who are tormenting us, even when we are not aware, because even now I believe there are spiritual forces, thrones and dominions, rulers and authorities that are swirling in the air around us and our homes and our cars as we're watching TV, as we're having conversations, and they are tormenting and tempting and sending thoughts our way that are counter to everything we hear in God's word. So when you say aloud, when you pray aloud, Lord, help me, the demons that ran from Jesus with their tail between their legs in the gospels will hear you calling on him. And they can, oh, okay, they're calling on Jesus. I'm, I'm out. Oh, they're calling on the Lord of maker of heaven and earth. Okay, I'm out. They're not just rehearsing a quote from John Piper, which is great. And can be so powerful that you're not calling on the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Pray it aloud. Believe it and then move forward. So you can't just pray something. You can't just say something and then not move forward. That's not how this works. That's how we often think. The song of a sense is for while they are actually walking. It's not, yeah, I'm going to pray and sit at home. True spirituality is belief and action. It is saying, I believe God will help me, therefore I am moving forward. Faith takes us forward always. Even here this morning, I I can only preach because I believe the Lord will help me. I can't sit there and go, Lord, you're going to help me, and then not walk up here. Yeah, but I believe the Lord's going to help me. Yeah, so then I get up and walk, and I open the Bible, and I talk. And so in the same way, the tough conversation you're going to have with your spouse or with your child or evangelizing your coworker, you can't just say, Lord, help me, and be like, are you going to push me? Uh, No, you move forward by faith. They walk towards Jerusalem by faith. We open our mouth. We read. We pray. We talk. We move our legs. We move them. All these things because faith takes us forward. You can't just pray, help my marriage, and not take the steps. You can't just pray, I want to walk in holiness. Lord, help me, and not confess and not repent. Faith moves us forward. See, look look at verse 3. He will not let your foot be moved. You're you're not going to fall apart. You won't slip. Because he who keeps you will not slumber. Now, this is often where a lot of Christians, we get sketchy. My help comes from God. He won't let my foot slip. I can never fail. This means everything will be perfect for me. No sickness, no pain, no financial strain, which is way wrong. As we saw from 1 Peter 5 and Psalm 23, it is through these things. The Lord doesn't help us just avoid suffering. He helps us through them. The Psalm's point is that we will make it to the final destination. You will make it to the new Jerusalem. Your foot won't slip into destruction because he is your help. And the Christian life, it is filled with pain. It is filled with things that can harm us. It is filled with difficulties. It is filled with disappointments. It is filled with heartache. It is filled with betrayal. It is filled with broken relationships. It is filled with so much grief. We see that through it all, suffering, illness, 
early Christians, martyrdom, church history, those tortured, that through it all, he is still our help because the whole journey, he's with us. Verses four through six capture this. Look, verse five, the Lord is your keeper. He's your shade on your right hand. Verse six, the sun shall not strike you by day, the moon by night, every season. That's what the psalm is communicating. Every situation, every time of day, every potential for utter destruction, the Lord is with you. Verse seven, the Lord will keep you from all evil. Where have we heard that before? The Lord's prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The Lord will keep you from all evil. Now look at this. He will keep your life. Now and forever. Verse eight, the Lord will keep you. You're going out, heading towards Jerusalem, these pilgrims, and you're coming in to the Jerusalem and going back home from this time forth and forevermore. Forever. He's not just a temporary help. It is a forever help from today and your pilgrimage to Zion, to eternal life, to the new earth, to the new Jerusalem, to the resurrection of the dead. Is, is he, I know we're, I I'm, was prone to think this and I'm, I can still be prone to think this. I need God to help me you know, get converted, to get out of my sins and to be a Christian. And then, man, I, it just, it's up to me. I, I got to pull it together. I, I, that is not the Christian life. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling because it is God who is helping us, who is at work in us, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The Lord is your help. He will protect you. He's your shelter. He's your shade now and forever. And here's why. Because Jesus put his eyes up on a hill. Jesus looked at a hill, Golgotha, the place of the skull, where he was crucified for our sins. And he was headed there the second he came to earth with his face set like like flint to that place. And there went the maker of heaven and earth set himself on that hill to die for our sins. And his feet did not slip off the cross. He was nailed to that cross for us. He never slipped in his life. He never sinned. He never detoured from his pilgrimage to head to the cross to pay for all of our sins. And he was plunged into the wrath of God. Not just the robbers, not just those that would kiss him on the cheek, not just those who would sell him out for 30 pieces of silver, not just those who would beat him and mock him. But he set his eyes above that hill. I think Jesus knew, where does my help come from? It's coming from the Lord, my father the maker of heaven and earth. And it's Jesus himself. He also is the maker of heaven and earth. And he gave up his life to protect ours. He didn't call on a legion of angels when he could have for us to pay for your sins, to pay for mine. 
so we could be forgiven, so we could be freed. And and now we sit here with the complete righteousness of Christ draped over us, reanimating us from, from the inside out to where now we are counted righteous, holy, and that when the triune God looks down on you and says, what is the status of their life? It is forgiven. It is love just like Jesus. Jesus says, my father loves me and I love you just as he loves me. However much God the father loves God the son, Jesus says, that's how much I love you. So will you call on him for help? Dane Orland in his masterful book, Gentle and Lowly, says, imagine a doctor who's going into a village that this village is just racked by this disease and he figured out the cure. And he's going there to this village and he's saying, I, I have the, the cure you need that will cure everyone in this village for generations now. And imagine if they said, well, thank you, but I, we don't want to bother you. We don't, we don't want to bug you. I mean, we're, we're doing okay. We're going to figure this out. The, the doctor would be heartbroken. I gave my life to figure out this cure and I'm giving it to you. It's from the doctor's joy. He he would love to heal. He loves to give. He loves to have broken people come to him and receive help. And in the same way, he says, this is how Jesus is. That our weakness is not a repulsion to Christ. It actually draws him towards us. Like a doctor looking to heal, so he is a savior looking to help. Looking to save, looking to forgive, looking to empower. So your weakness is exactly what Jesus is looking for. Your need for help is exactly what Jesus is after. And by his death and resurrection from the dead, he is our living hope. I know we love that song, he's our living hope. Another way to think of it is he's our living help. Right now, as Romans 6, 9 through 11 says, we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Why? For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. What does that matter for us? Verse 11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We must We must consider ourselves dead to these things, knowing I have help with my Father. I have help with my brother, Jesus Christ. And I have help with my helper, the Holy Spirit. The helper is just defined as the helper. So Holy Spirit, help. Holy Spirit, come, maker of heaven and earth, help. Will you go to him today? And tomorrow. And maybe, you know, maybe there's nothing. Your life is, I've had these seasons of life where it is smooth, fresh concrete. And then there are other times it is a backwoods, hole infested road with twists and turns. So you might be on the smooth road today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Will you tuck this verse away in the back of your mind? 
put it in your pocket so you can quickly access it when the bumpy, when the bumpy tumultuous, no lights, backwoods road hits your life on the way to the New Jerusalem because it's coming. And there are those of us in this room, we've been on that road. We've got scratches on our cars from that road. And so let's tell the newer cars with a nice suspension, hey, that road's coming. Um, You need Psalm 121. You need this song in the mixtape of your life. You need Psalm 121 in your prayer list, playlist of life. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Let's pray together. And as, as, we're, as we pray, I, did, I want you just to pray those three words, really, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And then right now, with you know, nobody looking around, just you, you might be going through something significant where you know you need the Lord's help and you've really been trying to operate in self-sufficiency. Or maybe you're going through something that's just, it's just on your mind. You can't through it. You just can't get your mind off of it. Your marriage, your children, your job, a diagnosis, whatever it is, a family relationship. I just want to ask all of us who have something like that just to simply extend our hands out before the Lord You don't got to lift them up in the air. Just stretch them out in front of you like a little child wanting to be picked up and just say, Lord, would you help me? Lord, help me. We, We want our bodies and our souls to communicate the same thing. Lord, help me. Holy Spirit, Where will our help come from? With our arms stretched out, we're saying our help comes from you, from our anxieties, our fears, our stress, our pain, the grief, the betrayals, the depressions, the marriage conflict, the the fears with our children. We stretch out to you saying, Lord, help us. We're drawing near with hearts full, with full assurance, drawing near to the throne of grace that we may find help in time of need. So here we are, Lord, we're in need. And we come to you in faith and believing that you love us And so since you are a God who is merciful and a God who is gracious and a God who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, if we ask for bread, you're not going to give us a stone. And if we ask for fish, you don't give us a serpent. We're asking for help, so you will help. You'll help us endure. You'll help us love. You'll help us forgive. You'll help us serve. You'll help us reconcile. 
you'll help us keep our eyes looking toward you, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame, and is seated right now for us at your right hand, Father. We're looking to our big brother who loves to help, who loves to heal, who loves to draw near to us as we draw near to him. So we draw near to you now, King Jesus. Help us. Help us. It's in your name we ask, Jesus. Now and forevermore, help us. Amen.